the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frant on AM 1420. The answer. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It is a free-for-all Friday, the seventh morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We'll get back to free-for-all calls on whatever is on your mind here momentarily, but I want to pick up on this conversation I started with you, at least when I was teasing it in the first hour, about cultural appropriation. It's kind of an astounding thing, basically who you are, or you are insulting them, by copying them. That's kind of the mindset here. It's a bizarre thing. I guess when I was a kid and I used to make the uh, Batman cape out of a couple of paper bags that I would tape together in color blue so I would look like Adam West, I guess I was superhero appropriating then. Uh, but you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to dress like anything other than exactly what you are, even if you think it looks really, really cool, or else you are insulting the other person or the other culture. That's kind of what the subject was on this Dr. Phil episode that featured some people that I don't know and a guest that I do know. And it's a guest that I do know that I want to talk to and uh, welcome to our program right now. Because uh, Amala, and Amala, I'm going to ask you to work with me here. I'm guessing it's Ekpunobi. Am I saying the last name correctly? <laughs> The K happens to be silent, so it's Epinobi. Epinobi, I'm such an idiot. I should have known. I'm sorry. I didn't hear it pronounced when I was watching Dr. Phil. Uh, no worries, so, no worries. So Amala Epinobi is with Prager University. She was on Dr. Phil having a conversation with some other individuals, like I said, that I do not know. And it was eye-opening, uh, the idea that, um, you know, that if you try to dress like somebody else, which would one would think would be, and I think the point you made is that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Who knew that you were actually insulting them by trying to look like them? Oh, absolutely. It's just insane the world we're living in right now when we're talking about things like cultural appropriation. But I do think there's a silver lining to the conversation because the fact that we're talking and, and debating things like whether or not white people can wear braids or, or wear certain shades of lipstick proves just how privileged we are as a society. So, you know, I welcome these conversations, and it makes me grateful to be where I am today. Well, that's a great point. That's a great point. You know, I, I want to play a clip here. Just I want to give the uh, listeners just a, a small taste of exactly what we're talking about here uh, when you were on Dr. Phil, because this the, the, the part of this uh, that, that I'm going to play here is really an astounding thing, and I'm so glad you called her out for it. Uh, let's, let's give this a quick listen. It depends on what boundaries that culture has set. So I can speak for black culture. The reason why, you know, some of us are offended and have problems with white women wearing braids is because it's documented. Black women are getting fired from their jobs wearing braids. We are called ghetto. We are not seen as professional with our natural cultural hairstyles. that are part of black culture. And then when white women wear them, they are glorified, praised, and even sometimes have the credit attributed to them. 
So that discrepancy is what where the issue comes into play. If I could respond to that, I think you can speak for yourself as an individual as far as whether or not you are offended by something, but you can't speak on behalf of the entire black culture. There- I was so glad you caught that and that you called her out with that because she said, as uh, however she said it, as a member of the black community, I can speak for the black community. She essentially saying that whatever her view is, is the view of the black community. And I think you as a member of the black community yourself have a right to step in there and say not so fast. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what's going on in a lot of our cultural and social conversations right now is individuals choosing to advocate on behalf of entire communities. We've seen it with organizations like Black Lives Matter saying they speak for all black people in the United States of America. And now we have black people going, wait a second, you don't speak for me at all. Those are not my values. That's not what I stand by. I'm not offended by that. And the more that people who are dissident to those opinions start to speak up, the more that we start to solve these issues. Amala, the um, issue that started this, or at least on the clip that I've seen of the Dr. Phil show that we're talking about, which I saw in PragerU, uh, is uh, was Kim Kardashian wearing braids, uh, like dreads, yeah. and uh, and this was this was the issue. When she said that, when white women start to wear the things that we get criticized for, they are they are in fact glorified for them, and in fact are given credit as being the originator of them. I have never seen a white woman, whether it be Kim Kardashian or anybody else, wearing dreadlocks and said, boy, that's a definitely a white thing. I've never given her credit right. for, for saying, boy, you are, you're, you are just an original uh, style creator here. Boy, you've created something I've never seen before. Uh, and I've also never glorified them for it either. You know what I do is to say, oh, she's got her hair braided and move on. I mean, w- where does that come from, the idea that if white people wear something in a manner that uh, the black culture originated, that uh, they, they're so suddenly glorified for it because i haven't seen it well you know this actually stems from from critical race theory believe it or not or at least the ideology behind (laughs) critical race theory it's not did racism happen it's when did the racism occur and and how can we call it out and the people who promote these ideas truly think that the world is framed through the lens of race that means whenever a white person does anything that could be misconstrued as a racist act it is a racist act And, you know, you make a valid point there. Kim Kardashian did not come out and say, I've created this hairstyle. This is a white hairstyle. Wouldn't make sense anyways, because she's an Armenian individual. But these people are going to see wrongdoings wherever they can find wrongdoings, because it completely backs their own arguments. We are talk, uh, talking uh, this morning with uh, Amala Ekonobi. She is a uh, uh, she's with Prager University. You also host uh, what 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 is the um, uh, unapologetic? Is that your is that your is that a podcast? Yeah, yeah. I have a podcast called Unapologetic, where you can find on any single social media platform you can think of. Really love that. Good for you, and that's awesome. And I'm going <laughs> to look you. for that because I loved your appearance on. This is my first time hearing you was on on the Dr. Phil clip, and it's only about two and a half minutes long. So I, I really, really like what I heard, and I'm going to make sure to check out your podcast, and I'm sure others will as well. the The, the rest of this clip, Amala, that I want to ask about, <clears throat> that I found fascinating was that you correctly pointed out, what if I go up to a person who is wearing, a white person who's wearing dreads, for example, and by the way, it's not just about hairstyles. Didn't didn't we just a few months ago see somebody, a, a white celebrity wearing big hoop earrings, and they were so, you can't wear hoop earrings, that's a black thing too? Did Am I crazy about that? Or did I imagine that? Is Are hoop earrings specific to a one race over another as well? Uh, if they can make it that way, they will make it that way. I don't think they are, but there are definitely some black people who do. 
And I would say uh, cultural appropriation spans outside of black culture as well. If you wear any sort of Asian, Native American garb, uh, you will be called out for cultural appropriation. But you will also find that it never applies to white people. White people can never accuse others of cultural appropriation because apparently their cultures don't matter. Which is a bizarre thing in and of itself, too. And I think of that. I won't say every time because I try not to see everything through race, which is what the left does. But when I see a black woman with blonde hair, I I think to myself, why is that okay? That blonde is clearly a white hairstyle. It's a white culture. It's a white, or not hairstyle, hair color rather. rather. Um, why, why is it that somebody can wear obviously very distinctive white colors like, like blonde hair and not be called, you know, cultural appropriators, um, when it's the other way around if it's dreadlocks or if it's hoop earrings? Right. And it's, it's because they've, they've safeguarded themselves with their own ideology. According to their ideology, White people can always do wrong, and and races from marginalized groups can never do wrong. And it's contingent upon this idea that white people have had power throughout America's history, and now marginalized groups are taking that power back. And because they're taking that power back, cultural appropriation, when they do it, is not cultural appropriation. It is them taking power back and making choices for themselves, Bob. It is incredible. It's very, very hard to follow and very, very hard to understand uh, the logic. Here. But I want to go back to the clip now. Uh, where Again, we're talking to uh, Ala, uh, Amala Epinobi. She is a podcast host called Unapologetic, and she is also with PragerU. So the part that really got me in the rest of the clip that I watched, Amala, was her trying to say that basically if any black woman... In, in this, like you said, cultural appropriation can be Asian or other cultures as well, but this happened to be talking about black and white. If any black woman disagrees with the use of a white person's, uh, you know, clothing or style or whatever, if they, if they say that is appropriating my culture, you have to take it off. But when you said, what about me? What if I go up because I'm half, you're half black and half white, right? You're, you're biracial? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so, you're, so you, you're a black woman as much as Barack Obama was a black president, literally exactly. in the exact same way. So you as a black woman, you go up and tell this person who's wearing dreadlocks or whatever, I'm fine with it. By her logic, that should end the debate. But basically, she, she, kind of, she kind of tried to stop you and saying no, because if another person isn't fine with it, well, then that person's um, offensiveness taken or offense taken by this cultural appropriation trumps your approval of it. So now, now two different black women giving two different messages. The one that, 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 that wins is the one that says, I'm offended by it. Take that off. Yeah, and this is what's wrong with how these people think. When you have a victim mentality versus a victor mentality, or at the very least an unbothered mentality, the victim always has to win. The oppressed person always has to win. So it doesn't matter if that oppressed person is choosing to put out a false claim or speak on behalf of an entire community because they have labeled themselves as a victim, which is a particularly easy thing to do in today's day and age, they win the argument no matter what. And that's the point that she's making, and it is abundantly clear that it's false. Amala, I want to ask you about, it's kind of about intersectionality here. Um, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the the victim culture that says what you just said, uh, you know, victim mentality wins, uh, in the black versus white situation, CRT, you know, there are oppressors and then there are victims and there are people who are oppressed. The people who believe in that, generally speaking, also believe in the trans movement 
and in affirming and supporting them, not discriminating against them. If somebody feels like they are a female, even if they have male chromosomes and male anatomy, you can't deny them what they are. That the same kind of you know uh, defense of 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 those individuals kind of intersects with the you know de- the defense of the victim mentality of, uh, of of in race racial conversations. And that's a long way for me to ask you about things like Rachel Dolezal. Why, why, if you believe that a man can identify as a woman and that person is a woman, trans women are real women, and vice versa, that a woman who feels like a man, trans men are real men. If you believe in that, then I'm guessing that your your counterpart in the Dr. Filson show there would, would have to say that somebody like Kim Kardashian, who, by the way, was married to a black man and has dated black men, if she says, identify with the black community, identify as black, I am um, transracial. I am a, a, a black woman. She would have to be accepted as such under that type of thinking, would she not? Right. You would think that. And, you know, if we sat here and tried to think of all the pitfalls of the way that they think, I think we would be here until next year. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting because when you look at a a transracial argument versus a transgender argument, the transracial argument actually makes more sense. I can't believe I'm saying this, but race is actually spectrum. You can actually exist on a spectrum of race, whereas gender is binary, as, as most reasonable people know. So to to claim transgender. So, so what you're people, saying, just to clarify, there is ain't but two genders, two genders, <laughs> ain't nothing but men and women. I'm sorry, I play. It's my favorite drop. <laughs> I I play that from Pastor Mark Robinson every chance I get. And when you just said that gender is bi- <laughs> gender is binary, I had to fire that off. Continue, please. That's perfect. I couldn't have said it better. So you know, race actually does exist on a spectrum. I'm talking to you as a biracial female who represents two races, and I can go out into the world and say. I identify as a black woman today, or I identify as a, as a white woman today because I have those characteristics. And to think that the same would not apply to race, and in modern days applies to gender, is a ridiculous thing. Now, I don't validate transracialism or transgenderism. I think you are born as what you are born as, and you can tell people differently, uh, but the truth still exists. But their ideology says that an individual's truth is their truth. But, of course, there's those pitfalls like transracialism that they will never address. That is exactly right. You know, I did a 23andMe about a year ago, and I found out I've got about five or six different races or ethnicities, if you will. And that you're so right. There is a spectrum. And if I want to identify with one more than the other, I ought to be able to do that. But most people would say, no, that's crazy. And yet, again, when we cross over, this is the intersectionality um, with genders. They want to say, I can be three. To, I, can be, I can be male one day, female another day, and actually neither yeah. one the next day. And then the next day, both. The next day, two-spirit. The next day, uh, you know... You know, interspecies, you know, which some of them are. So it's just a bizarre thing. Last thing for you. Again, we're talking to um, Amala uh, Epinobi. She was on Dr. Phil, did a terrific job. She's with PragerU, and she has a podcast called Unapologetic, and I am uh, endorsing that, even though I have not heard it. I just like you, and I like <laughs> listening to you, so I'm sure the podcast is amazing. So last thing here, what, what, message, what message would you have for white people uh, who don't want to offend? They're not going out of their way to offend, but they look at some of the stuff in the in the Kanye line and they say, you know, it's kind of cool. I want to buy it. Or they look at some of the stuff that may, you know, a woman might might look at some of the stuff that may or may not have, you know, um, uh, come straight out of the Wasp catalog, but might actually be a little bit ethnic. Are they allowed to buy it or not? 
You are allowed to buy it. You are allowed to do whatever it is that you want to do with your own body and your own purchases. And in fact, if you feel strongly about the issue, I encourage people to not be apathetic towards it and to do something and to stand strong in their values because so much of of the reason why we're having these conversations right now is people remain apathetic and are too scared to share their opinions. And it is a scary thing. There's no immediate incentive to do so. But if you care about the issues, stand strong in your beliefs because they can't defend their own beliefs. Well, you're right. There is a certain amount of protectionism and apathy. If I, you know, if I, if I yeah. don't put myself out there, then I don't get called a racist. And that's the, one of the worst things in the world you can be called. In fact, it might be the worst right. thing in the world you can be called in modern society. I would have said along with pedophile, but now pedophile, pedophiles are being defended as maps, as minor attractive <laughs> persons. So the worst thing you can be called now is a racist, uh, even if there's no yeah. basis for it whatsoever. So you can see why people are a little bit afraid to put themselves out there and cross over any boundaries even in cultural appropriation world. Um, wow. Amala, really, really, you handled yourself so well on Dr. Phil. I really enjoyed it, and I really appreciated it. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. That's uh, Amala Epinobi. The K is silent. I should have checked on that before I went with it. But the K is silent, and she's awesome. And if you didn't see... If you didn't see uh, her on Dr. Phil, that clip is available right now at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. It's 1025, and we'll be right back. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.